You're making one right decision today. You're listening to Handcuffs and Sage. Three badass moms bringing you all the true crime and paranormal your heart desires. I'm Red. I'm Timo. I'm Dre. And don't let your kids listen. Seriously, just don't. Hey, it's Handcuffs and Sage. Oh, 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 hey. <laughs> this is Red. Hey, this is Timo. Hey, this is Dre. Oh my goodness, if you hear my dog, that's Velvet <laughs> and Frank barking. <laughs> I didn't hear him. You- I saw you looking oh. weird, like you were looking up at the ceiling. I was like, what's going on over there? I think maybe the wind is blowing outside oh, and they're trying yeah. to protect us. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot. We love hearing from everybody. We are Handcuffs and Sage. We are a true crime and paranormal podcast. We also do a badass story each week. We are three crazy moms just trying to get through each day. And we get together each week and we share with each other. And we love hearing from our listeners. It makes yeah. our day. You can always reach out to us on Instagram, on Facebook. You can check us out on TikTok and Twitter and YouTube. We have a website, Handcuffs and Sage, podcast.com. And of course, email us anytime, handcuffsandsage at gmail.com. I do true crime. Timo does paranormal. And we have beautiful Dre doing our badass each week. And I hope that everyone enjoys uh, the second part to my crazy story. So oh my if God. you haven't heard part one of Peter Nygaard, stop now. Yeah. Listen to the last episode. We're, I, this is a crazy uh, person, right? We're dealing with a <laughs> right. crazy person who does crazy shit. And we haven't even gotten into a lot of the insanity that yeah. has happened. He right? nasty. He is nasty. He's so nasty. It's, it's so weird. Like, I can't get out of my head that he's a shit eater, you know? Like, uh, literally, literally, uh, y'all, if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to the first uh, one from last week. He is a shit eater for sexual yes. enjoyment. <laughs> yes. And you guys, there is like a full on video clip where he's doing an interview for somebody at some point talking about how nothing bad comes out of a woman. And I really mean it. And you're like, oh, uh-huh. oh he, he oh. does mean that. Oh, he's a man. gross person. He's gross. Yeah. Um, and he even says something like everything that comes out of a woman should be kept. Oh, <laughs> oh. what? Oh. And he said, he said, well, sometimes words, bad words come out of their mouth, but yeah, <laughs> sure. Everything else is fine. It, Everything else. But the bad words. Yeah. He gross. wouldn't mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Peter Nygaard, just to catch everybody up, um, he's a disgusting, filthy human being. Um he has his own business as a fashion designer, but really it's about um, supply and demand. He's in Dillard's, Costco, Walmart, um, Macy's, Sears. He's in really big stores all over the world. So really, he's this international, um, well-known person, but not as like a designer that he's making right. amazing clothes, right? He's just able to supply stores and always have a supply for these stores, right? So that's what makes him unique. But he has all this money, which gives him a lot of power, right? Which, which is terrifying because 
he um, uses that power and that money to do terrible things. So he, he has um, raped women. He has assaulted women. He loves to use the uh, line, you know, I I can help you be a model. Don't (laughs) you want to be a fashion model? Or I can help give money to your family, right? So he uses power and money to control people. And it's terrifying to me. So people would say like, he's a Jeffrey Epstein. I think he surpasses Jeffrey Epstein and the things that he's done. And we're going to get into a lot of other craziness. Yeah, you know what's really crazy, Red, when I tell people, hey, you guys got to listen to this week's episode because, you know, Red talks about this dude, Peter Nygaard, and they're like, who? And I go, "Uh, let's take take, um, Epstein and like multiply him by a million. And that's this guy. And they're like, how do I not know about this dude? Like, Like, what? I'm like, go on Discovery Plus and watch unseemingly and you'll get the whole it's it's bananas i had no idea who this guy was it is it's crazy too because i like to say that you know i i'm a true crime whore right that Mm -hmm. i just ingest the stuff constantly and i did not know a lot about him i started listening to the podcast evil by design and then like you mentioned unseemly on discovery plus there's a lot you know there's other podcasts that have covered him a bit but I did not know about this insanity and it's still uh, going on, right? We're still kind of in a process right right now. And it's in Canada, right? He's basically based in Canada. It's not here in the United States, right? He actually does have um, a location in New York. Oh, So they actually had to use that location um, to come after him with some charges. So he mm. had a home in Bahamas. He did start off in Winnipeg, Canada, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then moved to the U.S. But he does. He had locations everywhere in the world. Like, oh my God. It's so international. You guys, I, I always wonder this. Like, he was, he's so fucking terrible and did so many really a lot worse things than anybody that we've seen so far as far as, like, sexual assault and rape and kidnapping and, like, it's yes. crazy. Why didn't we hear about him? Why don't we know? I, I don't understand that. I can't get that through my head. Why don't we know about this? Why isn't it I, his name like so easily known like Epstein, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 <laughs> hopefully it, it will more and more come out and people will know who this piece of shit is. But a lot of this has to do with um his celebrity or his persona for a really long time like he did interviews with oprah he was on lifestyles of the rich and famous right he had um people thinking he was doing it the way everyone wished they did it with the power with the money with the homes right he was living the lifestyle that people envied and i think a lot of the stuff he did got covered up yeah, long, and I think, too, time. it was back in the 70s, back in the 80s, where it was easily hidden to where nowadays, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Let's, I mean, he I was think, using Facebook, you know, in, you know to, to invite people to his pamper yeah. parties and stuff. Like, yeah. we had hmm. technology. Yeah. We had technology, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, a lot of this, 
you guys, even up until 2020. So we're going to get into uh-huh. a lot of the things that have happened when we stopped part one. Um, it was 1996, right? And we're going to talk about this story that comes out in Winnipeg, Canada. So we have reporters, Catherine Mitchell and Ryan Thorpe, and they're from the Winnipeg Free Press. So they worked there at the time. And they said that they had heard rumors about Nygaard and things that he had done, but nothing substantial. So that does tell you that there were some rumblings, right? That you heard things, but nothing really came with evidence, right? So then in 1996, they had some people, some women come out with allegations of sexual harassment, verbal abuse, touching, inappropriate comments, things like that. So there was three women that came against Nygaard with these, you know, allegations. And so uh, Catherine and Ryan, you know, the stuff that they hear, and they talked about this in Unseemly, is shocking to them right? It's really shocking to them the Uh stuff that Peter has done. And so they start um, putting stories out about him. And it turns out that these women are paid off by uh, Nygaard's people, kind of like, shut up, here's the money, go away, kind of a thing. And these three women combined got $20,000. We're talking about a multimillionaire. I know it's not about money, right? But mm-hmm. this, this meant nothing to him. So one of the reporters actually reached out to Peter to comment about this situation. And he acted like he had no idea, like what they were talking about. It wasn't a big deal that these, these women were just a nuisance. And he has people that handles right. these situations for him, that this was a financial transaction, uh-huh. right? Cut a check and shut them up. Right. That that was kind of the thinking that this was not a big deal to him at all. So they're doing these stories in the Winnipeg Free Press. And then all of a sudden, this publisher, uh, Rudy Rudakop, he comes to the, the people and says, you know, what? we're going to put the kibosh on these stories. Uh-huh. Why? Why are we not going to, uh-huh. you know, do stories about Nygaard? And he was saying that he was taking a lot of pressure from people in that community with a lot of money to stop talking about what Peter Nygaard was doing. Okay. So we're talking about next level stuff. They're trying to control the press and unfortunately it works. And they stop uh-huh. talking about this stuff that Peter Nygaard is doing. And, you know, later on this publisher, Rudy made some comments saying it was a different time. Uh, no, no bitch. Like they, they were going to, take advertising away from your newspaper and so you stop talking about it that's what happened you made a decision right and again you know when you have money and you throw your weight around a little bit you you get your way and I think that's what happened over and over and over again with Peter Nygaard and and people around him so he really scared people too he there I don't know what it was if, if he had like goons behind him that would do his bidding for him or what but a lot of people feared him and, and they had every right intense. to they had every he right to intense. he's gonna he, fucking put a bomb under your car and blow your fucking ass up yeah, yeah he he has this thing about i'm just gonna do whatever i want 
and I don't care if it hurts you or others, right? I'm just going to do what I want. Right. Very intense person, very scary person. I wouldn't want to be in a room with him ever, right? And he's super gross. Ew. So it's, you know, lots of stuff going on. So then there's this rumor. I kind of throw this in here, you guys. I know it's lame, but it's rumored that in 1998, he dated Anna Nicole Smith for three years. And so I looked this up. There's pictures of her with him. Now, at the time, I don't know if she realized she was dating Peter Nightgard or not. <laughs> uh, maybe Most she woke up. Yeah, I think she was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Am I with you? You know, but I don't know if they were really together. Um, so I, I put in my notes, I don't know if that's true, but this is a true story, what I'm about to share, okay? So in 1998, um, we hear from Jenny. Uh, she was 19 years old. It was a summer in uh, Nassau. And she decides to take tennis lessons, which is great. And so she's working with a tennis pro and he says that they can play at Peter's courts. Of course, he has tennis courts um, you know, on his property. And so by week three of lessons, you know, he keeps bringing up to Jenny, like my boss or chief really wants to play tennis with you. She didn't know it was Peter Nygaard, um, really wants to play tennis with you. You should come with me um, and wear a dress which is very odd, right? Gross. Why yeah. would you say that, right? So we're talking about a 19-year-old girl and a tennis pro is telling her, let's go play tennis and you need to wear a dress, okay? So they go to his property and she says that she is. She's taking it back like everyone else with his property, his home. It's kind of crazy. He has all these courts. When they get there, there's about 10 to 20 people. You know, they're all playing tennis. And she plays around against Peter in her dress. And she says it's very awkward, very weird, weird situation, right? And then this poor thing, Jenny, she can't find her tennis pro coach. Mm. She disappears. All of a sudden she's there. And she's like, how am I going to get back home, right? She's left there, poor thing. And so then she ends up staying there for dinner. And he has her sit next him and to me he's like a puppeteer if we think that he didn't plan this he did mm -hmm. he absolutely did right so and who are these motherfuckers asking, that go along with him like that fucking tennis coach why he I, had to have known money Ugh, he paid him it's i mean that's it's what horrible. it comes down to yeah no. right so yeah. they're they're talking and peter says, I would love it if you came and you stayed on my property for this summer. You'll have your own cabana, right? He really sells it to her. And she is thinking this is a great idea because she's 19 years old. She doesn't know this person, right? All she sees is this property. And then she does. She moves in. She has her own cabana. And then she realizes quickly that she can't just leave the property, right? If you want to go through those gates, Peter has to open those gates. You have to get permission. And he actually takes her passport from her. Yeah. For safekeeping. And so for safekeeping. And because she's 19 and 19-year-olds want to be polite, she doesn't say, go fuck yourself. She says, okay. Right? Yeah. So this, this sweet girl is all of a sudden a prisoner on this property. Right? A she prisoner. has no idea. 
she is. She's a prisoner. She cannot just leave. She that's kidnapping, right? I think this is going to be um, a trigger trigger warning to Red because I think of all the girls, I think this one got it really bad. I don't know why yeah. he chose to do what he did to her. I don't know what what it was with her unless he just decided I'm going to try something new with this person or whatever. But I, I think this or, girl really got really got. Ugh. She she went through a lot. I think that he probably has done this to a lot of people, and really, we're just hearing her story, mm. right? Um, because it sounds like he did a lot of really scary, terrible things to a lot of people, but we're hearing it from her, right? And she's sharing, and I mean, I can't imagine. Um, you know, being out in public, being on TV and sharing your story. So that mm -hmm. takes a lot of guts, really, mm -hmm. really crazy. So um, one night after dinner, Peter invites a group of women up to his room for drinks. So that sounds awful to me, but they went up there, they were hanging out. All of a sudden, uh, Jenny realizes it's just the two of them, right? Where did everyone go kind of a thing? And then he's having this conversation with her. And you have to realize he's a much older man and she is 19. And he is asking her about this. What have you done? What haven't you done, right? And she is saying she has that oh fuck flag going, right? Mm -hmm. She's not feeling comfortable. He's asking her questions that are kind of blowing her away. And then he asks her about anal sex and she's horrified right she um is kind of freaking out she says that she all of a sudden feels very out of it and we do know from other accusers other people that have come forward that he had no qualms about him sleeping slipping something in the drink or having somebody else uh -huh. slipping something into a drink so she is really out of it all of a sudden you know she's face down on the bed he pulls her up, right? And he rapes her. And it seems like he anally rapes her. Right. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And she is crying. She is yelling, stop. And he doesn't. He does not. He turns her over. She's saying that this was beyond painful. It was violent. She felt tearing. So you're talking about physical things that are happening. And so she, she grabs her things and she runs out of the room. She is traumatized, you guys. So she's not only emotionally hurt because she's been attacked in this way. She's physically hurt, yes. right? She's bleeding. She mm -hmm. is not okay. Oh my she God. She is a prisoner on this property. This is a terrifying event for anyone. And so she stays in her, her room for days, right? She doesn't know what to do. She's yeah. so, so scared, right? So, um, Peter, you know, he has kids, which is scary in itself. And they, you know, come and visit at his property. And his daughter is saying to her, like, why are you here? Like, why are you at my dad's place? But also in the same time she's asking her that, it's like not really surprised because Peter has girls there doing whatever all the time, right? It's such a weird situation. So... Jenny says that this actually happens again where he rapes her mm -hmm. anally. 
And while this is happening, his son knocks on the door looking for his dad. And she says that in this moment, she didn't feel bad for herself. She felt bad for her, his son, that his dad was such a monster. And again, she said the doors were like a one-way mirror, so they can't see in, but she can see out. Mm. So it's like a clear window, and she sees this little kid oh. knocking on the door, which oh. this guy becomes like the big advocate as he grows older. It's his son, Kai which I love him, love him. And we'll hear about that later on. She says that after um, he rapes her, he actually takes money out and he like throws <laughs> it at her. <sighs> and she's just like, I'm not a prostitute. And we didn't just have sex like consensually. Mm-hmm. Right. And we mm-hmm. do hear this with other accusers that he gives them money after he assaults them. Almost like it was um, a transaction or he's able to say down the line well she was a prostitute right mm-hmm. they're not prostitute yeah. mm-hmm. that's yeah. right right so at one point Peter decides he needs to travel he's leaving the Bahamas and if Peter leaves you know all the workers everybody kind of shuts everything down and you know leave with him so they're all packing that so she's like this is my opportunity she goes to him and says, I, I want my passport, right? Y'all are leaving. I need to leave. He gives mm-hmm. it to her, right? And she's able to leave. She was stuck there, trapped for a month. She was there for a month, you guys. Oh, my God. Awful. So Peter decides in all of his wisdom, because he's such a great guy, that he's going to be the face of Nygaard International. So before um, it was known as, Nygaard International, but now you have pictures of him on billboards, you see pictures of him outside every store, and he's like, you know, flexing, he's got his shirt open, he's an old dude with pictures of himself everywhere. But <laughs> what's, inter- what's, so gross. <laughs> what's interesting too is he's doing all these really terrible things and he's putting now his likeness on everything. And so his reputation, I mean, you need to really have a squeaky clean lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. To be really putting your face and your brand on everything. And he has a lot of employees um, relying on him not to be a fuck face. But guess what? He is a fuck face and he's doing a lot of bad things. But I just thought that was interesting. These billboards they have of him. Uh, like uh, yeah. he's so greasy, leathery, tan, gross on any everywhere, right? Um. So we've all talked about him being scary, but I think that something that contributes to him also being scary and terrifying is he's taking HGH like a crazy person, oh, which is yeah. human growth hormone. You got right. This is insane. So he's taking so much of it right? That he has twice the amount of normal testosterone for a man. So what happens in that case? You, you rage, you're intense. Like if you, you know, hear uh, about people who take steroids, imagine, right? Mm -hmm, How people mm -hmm. rage out on steroids. He's taking such a high level. He rages over every little thing, but he, he does it and on everyone in his 
circle, right? All of his employees, his family members, like he rages on them because he's, he's taking this amount. It's crazy. I wrote these numbers down. I guess like a normal testosterone level is, you know, can be like around 500. And they were saying he was well over 1100 nanograms. So very high, mm-hmm. right? So I'm also wondering if that contributes to like a higher sex drive. Yeah. yeah. Right? Maybe. Maybe, because yeah. We, we hear that, unfortunately, he is with multiple women throughout a day, right? Right. So w- we hear about him just kind of maybe picking out three girls, maybe at a party, and he's having sex with them consensually or not consensually, you know, one after the other. So I'm wondering if that contributes to it. I don't know. Um, But we do later on see footage of him just screaming at people, Mm -hmm. just losing his shit over nothing. So he's he's just a bundle of fun all all the way around, right? (laughs) So Um, it does cause it does cause a high sex drive. Um, Also, it causes um, acne, aggressive or risk-taking behavior, um, mm. acne or oily skin. That makes so much sense. <laughs> decreased <laughs> testicle size, decreased in sperm count. So that's so hot, you guys. Um, yeah. He's, he's such a piece of shit. So we have this person who before this was a nightmare, and now he's taking HGH. So imagine... Uh-uh. like uh-uh. a huge super powerful nightmare okay so in 2002 peter is actually ordered to pay like over fifteen thousand dollars a month in child support for one child and i guess it's like the largest amount ever um in their area where someone has to pay that much child support so that was like <laughs> all in the paper um peter now has 10 children with eight women <laughs> so Lots of kids, eight women. That's crazy. And you guys mentioned Kai. That is one of his kids. And we'll hear later on from Kai more. He really is great. But so let's talk. I, I think you might talk about it down the line. There probably would have been more children yes. down the line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I um, can't believe that so, story. That one is going to be it, like bananas. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Ugh, so I gross. wanted to talk about pamper parties because that is really revving up with, you know, around like the 2001, 2002 time, right? That's what he really starts getting into. So he's telling people in the Bahamas, like, I'm this great guy. I want to give back to the community. I have this great idea. I'm going to have these parties at my amazing property where girls, from these lower income areas, they can come and they can get a massage and a, a pedicure and a manicure. I'm going to feed them food and they can drink and just kind of let loose. Like I'm such a great guy. It's so scary that he had women go out, recruit girls, underage girls. They would bring them to the property. He would have them take pictures of them from the front, from the side, write down their weight, their height, their age, and he would go through them, you yep. guys. Like he a menu. would go through them, right. And he would put them in like, these are A's, these are B's. He, like he would put them in categories. I'm pretty sure I'd be in the D category, which <laughs> is good for me. I would be Z. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, let her go. She's all right. Let her go. He's <laughs> just the thought of this piece of shit doing that, looking over those girls, peeking out which ones can stay at his party. It's disgusting, right? So really, this is a way for a predator to get to his prey right there.
right? He did something to her, right? And she was stuck in this contract with him. Mm. She says after the assault that a BMW with a large purple bow was delivered to her from him. And she felt like it was his way of saying, keep quiet about what happened. And she was just horrified. She didn't tell anyone that this happened and she didn't tell her fiance, right? They were going to get married in three months. You know, she's stuck in this contract. She's about to get married. This awful thing happens. She doesn't know what to do. She actually returns the BMW, which I think is baller. But how is she going to be driving around in something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So she finds out she's pregnant. She thinks it's her husband's. The baby is born. And she said, you know, her husband's black. She's black. The baby is not black. Right. And it, she said it did. It hit her a while to come to terms that she had a baby with the man that raped her, right? Mm -hmm. And she did have a a tough time bonding with the baby at first, but we all know that she's an amazing mom, right? And I just, that, what a horrible situation she was put in. Um, Beverly, unfortunately, ends up like divorcing her husband because of all the shame and guilt she felt because of this Mm -hmm. situation, right? Um, Peter actually takes an interest in their child. He wants to know about his education, extracurricular activities. Um, he has custody of Dre at, his name is Trey, at times. So Trey would go to Peter's for Christmas and summer, but because of that, that meant, Beverly had to be there every Christmas and summer. Yeah. She said that when she had to do that, that she would have nightmares, that she was traumatized by what happened, and that she would just try to suck it up each day, right, just to put on a brave face for Trey so he could have a relationship with his dad. So mm-hmm. it really is a bad situation, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, she felt like she couldn't tell anyone that no one would believe her. And I think a lot of women feel that way when they've been raped and assaulted and she felt that way um so now we're gonna hear about celebrity harvey you guys remember celebrity oh yeah oh yeah 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 so celebrity harvey meets uh peter in 2006 she was actually homeless at the time you guys she's homeless she has no support she doesn't know how she's going to take care of herself and she's invited to one of his pamper parties. Um, when she spoke to Peter for the first time, she says he made the comment, you have a nice toilet, and hits her butt. And she thought, is there like a language difference here? <laughs> like who says toilet, right? Gross. But Ugh. we now know what he meant by that, right? which is absolutely disgusting. He pulled the same old, same old with her, right? I'm going to make you a model. Um, I'm going to make it so you have money to take care of your family, right? He promised her all sorts of things. And she thought this was it. This was the great thing that was happening in her life, which is so Mm -hmm. fucking sad. Um, 
she said that he was she was one of his girlfriends. Now, Peter had two to eight girlfriends at a time. He always wanted to have an entourage of women. And we see that in a lot of the footage, right? He'd go to parties and things and he'd be surrounded by women. And that's something he always did, which is super roadie to me. Um, they would all travel together, go to dinners, go to parties. Um, but he used these girlfriends to recruit for younger girls all the time to come to pamper parties, like G a Ghislaine Maxwell, if you will, right? If we're talking right. about Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. Yeah. Um, he told them that he liked the girls to be young, younger the better, poor and broken. He preferred them to come from broken homes. Why? Because that means that if they had issues, they had no support, and they only needed, had Peter, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So he thought about this. He thought about it. He knew what he wanted. Uh, he's a predator. Um, she said that she had to constantly, like, sexually please him all the time. And he always wanted her to stool in his mouth. Gross. Disgusting. 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 At one point, celebrity gets pregnant. She really wants to keep the baby, you guys. And he just pressures her nonstop to get an abortion. Um, and he uses like the, well, you're not going to be able to be a model. Nobody's going to take care of you because you mm -hmm. have this baby. She wanted to be able to have it all. And she ends up having an abortion. She says that she still feels bad about it to this day. Like it just haunts her. She really did not want to get an abortion. So by 2009, this McFuck face, because he's out of control, he starts this bio company because he's obsessed with stem cells. Mm -hmm. He wants the fountain of youth. He wants to live forever, but he also wants to get younger. He really doesn't want to get older, right? He's a he crazy looks like person. shit. <laughs> he saw himself in the mirror and he's like, I need to figure something out immediately. I look time. like death. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there are a lot of reports. Um, a lot of people have come forward that he would intentionally, intentionally, impregnate women and workers to then have them get abortions so he could use those fetuses for stem cells for himself. That is a whole new level of fucking McFuck face, man. Uh, that is so, so gross. He's, he's out of control. He's completely out of control. And he's just getting away with everything, right? At the time that he starts his bio company, you know, he's super busy uh, with stem cells, HGH, raping, assaulting. He's a busy guy, right? His house has electrical problems and it, it burns down, <laughs> right? House burns. He needs to rebuild the house, but because of a feud with his neighbor, uh -huh. um, He's really held back from doing this because, you know, it's hurting the environment, what he's doing. So we'll, I'll, I'll go into more of that, right? So he has this 
terrible feud with his neighbor, Louis Bacon, and he's like this massive billionaire in his own right, right? Mm -hmm. So we have Nygaard with his crazy property. We have uh, Bacon with his property, which is the complete opposite of Peter's, right? Right. Separated by like a little tiny driveway on this island. Yes. (laughs) Or inlet little thing. Yes. So... Peter, we all know, is obnoxious and disgusting and has parties constantly. And Bacon hates him. Bacon wants to go and just chill the fuck out in Bahamas, but he's got this really terrible neighbor. And he says, like, anytime there's a party, they share one road. So they have to use this road to get to the parties. And there's always cars and people, and it's a whole thing, right? So what does Bacon do? Bacon... He, I he, love puts, this. <laughs> he puts a he puts a dip in the road <laughs> that then puddles becomes like its own like swamp area with mosquitoes and shit. So then people have to either drive through this, walk through this. So if he's having a party and people are dressed up, they have to walk <laughs> through a swamp <laughs> to get to his house, right? So Bacon was trying to be real clever. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the house burns and he needs to rebuild, shit really escalates, right? Things get out of control. Bacon starts a whole environmental (laughs) nonprofit called Save the Bays to look at Nygaard's property to see what he's doing so he can say, you're not rebuilding here because he really wants to get rid of Nightguard, right? We have mm-hmm. two crazy, powerful men who hate each other and they're poking each other, right? That's basically what's happening at this point, okay? But so they also found out that he was like breaking apart like the natural, like coral and the land and everything oh, to build did. his yes. shit, which was he like ruining the did. environment. So even if Bacon wasn't involved with that, he still was doing badass shit to the, not badass, but horrible yes. shit to the environment where he should have fucking built that shit to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yes. So here's the thing about Bacon. Bacon, I would say, takes the things that Peter does and it's not like out of the goodness of his heart he's doing things. He wants he wants Nygaard gone. He's just using it against him. Does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. right? Um, so in 2011, uh, Peter hires this videographer, Stephen Feraglio, to record his girlfriend, Sulin Medeiros' birthday party. And she's like smoking hot, like a model type person. But we'll hear more about her later on. So it's her birthday. He's there, like taping everything. And after the birthday, Peter says, I'd love to hire you to film us 24-7, like a documentary type, because I'm such a great guy. You should do this. So Stephen takes this job, right? That's how we have this footage of Peter just going ape shit, screaming at people all day, every day, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see that in Unseemly and you know other YouTube videos. It's insane. So We have Peter, he's in the Bahamas. There's a lot of low income families, poor areas. And so he 
on the outside, I guess, looks like he's doing a lot of good. He's putting a lot of money into things in the area. But really, that's about being able to control people because he's given them money. So Mm -hmm. he puts money into the police force. um, And then he really ups his game and starts putting money into the political arena, helping with campaigns, really using himself to get what he wants, right? And so he he's able to get um, this guy, uh, Perry Christie, elected. He was part of the Liberal Party there in 2012. And because he threw all this money into his campaign and told everybody, you better fucking vote for Perry Christie because I said so, he then said to Christie, because I did this for you, now you need to do something for me. And you need to make it legal for us to do this crazy stem cell research here that nobody else will say yes to. And, and Christy does it, right? That's, that's the kind of shit he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter is using Steven now to make videos of not just his daily life, but he wants him to make videos of, for, you know, bacon to like make bacon look terrible so (laughs) they take regular videos they doctor them they use a different name and then they post them on youtube Mm -hmm. right and it's so incredibly shady the shit that they put out saying that it's this guy bacon it's insane well we'll talk about it we'll talk about it but it gets to the point that steven cannot take it anymore he cannot take working for Peter because Peter is insane and he finally comes to like a moment and says I can't do this anymore so he takes the videos that he had doctored and he did he took them to Bacon and said I'm so sorry I have these videos this is what I did and so then Bacon really uses those to his advantage right Mm -hmm. Um, in 2015 Vanity Fair comes out with an article about the feud between Peter Nygaard and Louis Bacon, right? At, in 2015, they had already had like 16 lawsuits <laughs> against each other, right? They're just constantly going at each other. And Peter's upset. He can't rebuild his home because Bacon's not letting him. It's mm-hmm. an environmental degradation. And it is, right? It absolutely is. It's a feud that people know all about. And now we have Vanity Fair hearing the story on it, right? In January 2015, Bacon filed a $100 million lawsuit against Nygaard. He says that he was a ring leader of defamation, and he absolutely was. He put a multimedia smear campaign out against him. Peter Nygaard held hate rallies and staged them in Nassau with parades through the town. They made t-shirts, they had signs, and they were all talking about how terrible Bacon was, right? They're saying Bacon's a racist, he's a thief, he's a terrorist. There are signs that say, Bacon, go home, right? Peter made statements that Bacon reminds him of Hitler, right? He said that in interviews. Um, He's really upset. His home is gone. He can no longer entertain the people of the Bahamas and no more pamper parties. (laughs) Oh, poor Peter, right? (laughs) 
uh, you guys, in these videos, they're insane. Peter had Steven make videos, making it look like Bacon and his family um, were, you know, in, in the KKK. So nothing really too bad. Like, what the f <laughs> The video that they made is insane. So in 2016, after this feud had been going on for a decade, there's accusations that come out that Peter Nygaard hires two hitmen to kill Bacon, right? There's also assaults and firebombings on a pastor's car, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So Bacon accuses Nygaard of hiring these men to kill him. It's all out. People are talking about it. We see video of this shady conversation going down, and it absolutely sounds like Peter Nygaard saying, I need you to kill Bacon. Okay? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so he's... Bacon says Nygaard promised Livingston Ballard and Whistler de Vilma payment to murder Bacon and others that were fighting against him. So Bacon and a group of conservationists said Nygaard was illegally dredging up the seabed, which he was, extending the island's natural shoreline and expanding the borders of his compounds without permission. This kills a lot of sea life. Right, mm -hmm, that's why mm -hmm, it's shady yeah. as that. So Bacon and three other board members, as well as Pastor Moss, filed papers in the Bohemian Court saying Nygaard organized a gang assault of one director, that they paid Ballard to firebomb the pastor's car, and Bullard said Nygaard gave him $20,000 to do that job. During the deposition, Bullard said Nygaard also promised him and Davila two houses as payment for killing Bacon. So shady. The two men secretly recorded video and audio of five different meetings with Peter Nygaard. It's on video. Mm -hmm. We see pieces of it. It's insane, right? Um, Bacon states that in 2011, Nygaard doctored footage um, of someone that was arrested that used to be on Wall Street, this mogul Rajat Gupta. But in the video, Nygaard put Bacon's face over Gupta's mm -hmm. and put that video out, making <laughs> it seem like he was the one doing insider trading. You guys, who thinks of that shit? Who does that? So... By 2018, Bacon, after hearing stories about Nygaard's um, alleged assaults on girls, starts to put this nonprofit for sexual assault victims together in the Bahamas. They're like, oh, that's nice, but not really. This was just a way to get girls to come in and the ones that maybe shared story about Nygaard, right, in these therapy sessions. He would then approach them and say, we want you to join us at to come out against Peter Nygaard. So these women come out and they say, look, we felt exploited by both men, right? Right. They, they felt exploited by Peter Nygaard for sex and Bacon to go against his enemy. So both men <laughs> are doing not great things because of this feud 
that's been going on fucking forever, mm -hmm. right? So that's where I'm going to stop for today. There is more to come, which is insane. So crazy. So it is crazy. It is crazy. He, he assaults, he rapes people, he uses money to do whatever, car bombs, hitmen, dudes. <sighs> He's hurting the environment, damn cells, and he likes poo in his mouth, you guys. So <laughs> uh, this is an insane story. He's a total, total piece of shit. There's so much more to come. And mm -hmm. this story is still going on. So we'll talk about that too. Yeah, that's wild. Time. Mm -hmm. ah, piece of shit. <laughs> Okay, Maybe can we I go should from call on a piece of shit? He might like that. Yeah, he's a I know. I think he would. Boxes. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Gross. Yes, yes. Gross, yeah. gross, gross. All right, y'all. Let's do a cleanse. Okay, great. Let's now, do a normal time. <laughs> it's done. Let's go. <laughs> and moving on. All right, so yeah. we're going from the Bahamas to beautiful Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> I have all my family basically is in Colorado all over the place. They're not here where we're going, but um, I'm going to talk about the Stanley Hotel. And Yay! you may this not know what that is, but then when I say the shining, then you're like, oh yeah, I know what that is, but mm -hmm. it really isn't. So I will talk no. about that a right. little bit down the line. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to go back in time. Like what Red does. <laughs> uh, June 1st, 1849, Freeland Oscar Stanley, along with his identical twin brother, Francis Edward, were born in Kingfield, Maine. Uh, their family wasn't wealthy at all, but they really valued education. So they made sure that I think there was 12 kids in the family. They made sure that all of them had superior education, musical, science, math, literature, like the whole kabam, okay? So at the very young age, um, the twins decided to become entrepreneurs and they started a maple sugar business at the age of nine. And then at the age of 11, they were taught the craft of violin making. At age 20, in 1870, they went to college and they wanted to become educators, which I believe would just be your plain old teachers. Uh, Francis, although he decided he didn't want to do that, he soon dropped out and he wanted to become a portrait artist. So that's what he went off to do. Freeland carried on with his education. And after attending a few other uh, colleges, he became headmaster of a high school. At that point, he met a fellow teacher named Flora Jane Record Tileson, and they fell in love and got married. Then in 1881, Freeland was diagnosed with tuberculosis at the young age of 32, yikes. And he believed, mm, I might not have too many years on me here. So he went into manufacturing. So by 1885, he and his brother had invented the Stanley dry plate. Now his brother was a photographer. Uh, well, he was an artist. So he decided 
let's get into photography. This Stanley dry plate was basically used in photography. It quickly rose to fame and they made a small fortune off of this invention. Then together after this, they decided that they are gonna create and build the steam car, which is now known as the Stanley Motor Carriage Company. And the rest is history. There's so much more history in this, but I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. So Freeland became very ill in 1903 and his doctor told him, you need to go. You need to get up into the mountains. The fresh air is a theory that we have, which will slow down your disease. Please go. You hear this a lot, like back in the day, 1800s, early 1900s. Yes. Doctors were like, eh, go to the mountains. Yeah. Eh, go to the <laughs> desert, you'll feel better. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what's crazy? It's, that, it's like, even when, when we were kids, I mean, I say we loosely because we're all different ages <laughs> but seriously my brothers had asthma and my they told my mom you should take them to Arizona because it's dry yes. out there and yes. less smog yes. and stuff and it's just so funny like yeah, yeah. what's so yeah, sad is get on a prescription <laughs> pad here we yeah. go yeah and then moved to Arizona <laughs> what was so sad is the doctor said move to Colorado or go to Colorado for the fresh air, but you're not going to make it through the summer anyway. So good luck to you. I know. Um, that's awful. So the doctor, I guess, had this cabin. He said, we'll stay in my cabin. Uh, the fresh air will do you good. And they went and it was in Estes Park, Colorado. Now I've driven past Estes Park a million, million times on the freeway from going from Denver to wherever I'm going. And I've always wished that I was the driver and I could just like take that exit and go, but I've always been the passenger, so I never could. <laughs> I've never been, so I totally need to go. So he basically said, you're going to be dead by the end of the summer. I'll be back in September to get your body, and I'll make sure you're buried in, well, he was from Maine, but they, they had lived in Massachusetts. So he's, I'll be back, grab your body, I'll make sure you have your burial at home in Massachusetts. Oh, Shady. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But by the end of summer, he basically got better, which was amazing, right? He defied expectations. He started gaining weight. When he first got there, he was 5'11". He only weighed 118 pounds, y'all. That's like my That's goal weight. Yeah. That's, That's my goal <laughs> That's how much I weighed when I met my hubby. So, yeah, I know. Why? Why? I don't think I ever weighed that. <laughs> oh, my God. By the end of summer, he was hiking five miles a day. Um, and then within four years, he had completely recovered from tuberculosis, which is wild. I guess it worked. I yeah. guess it worked. But the weather and climate change helped. Of course, this was good news. But him and Flora, like, fell in love with Estes Park. And they decided to return there every summer. They were used to that high society, elite, you know, way of life. So they decided that they needed to build a home. At this point, the Rocky Mountains were just a wilderness. The, the park wasn't even a park yet. Mm -hmm. So they decided in this wilderness, they were going to build somewhat of a retreat. So in 1907, construction began 
on an Edwardian style grand hotel. It was uh, 14,000 square feet, 140 rooms, and the Stanley Hotel was born. And in 1909, it, it opened and it was, you know, they had bands and parties and everything. But you know what? It, it was an invite only stay. So you couldn't just show up and I want to stay two nights or whatever. You had to be invited and was just friends. So they built this huge hotel for their for their friends to come out. You know what? I'm also going to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Friends How are you going to like it? <laughs> so to my resort. You know, maybe next year. Maybe next year I'll do that. Yeah. So fun. Mm -hmm. Through the years, he had invited many famous people to come stay. So there was Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, the mm -hmm. Emperor of Japan came, and then the unsinkable Molly Brown. We all know her. She was a survivor from the Titanic sinking, and there was so many more down the line. Uh -huh. This place was wild, y'all. It had ballrooms, dining rooms. It had a concert hall. Uh, the wallpaper was just amazing. Red carpet throughout the whole place, and then the furnishings. It was just gold and silver and just like, you know, those innate like couches and beautiful. chairs. And, oh beautiful. My God, I could just imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Houdini even performed there in the concert hall. And his little escape hatch is still there in the state to this day. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, that's a fun so fact awesome. of the day. So fun. It had a carriage house which will come and play a little bit later, an ice house because refrigeration wasn't really a thing. It had a pet cemetery and it had a underground cave system, which I think was bomb. This is gonna be the perfect segue into the paranormal stories because the caverns were directly under the hotel and actually the hotel was built on top of the caverns for a purpose. The winters were so harsh up there that they needed a way to get around from all the different properties around all the different buildings. So they basically used these cave systems as a way of getting around, which was brilliant, right? But I'd immediately get lost though. Like <laughs> if I worked there and I had to go through the cave system, you would never see me again. Dead, she died in the cave. You know, all I get lost at Costco. Yeah, you know, all the insane asylums are like that, too. They built these underground mm -hmm. so they can move the bodies out. It's so crazy. Uh, the caves themselves were made out of not only quartz, but limestone. These are like a double whammy of conductors for paranormal mm -hmm. activity. Limestone. And then you have quartz. OMG. Okay, so now we're going to get into a little bit of the hauntings. When you're down in the caves nowadays you get the smell of fresh baked goods, bread and cake and cookies. And you're like, what is going on? Because there's nobody down here. Well, they say that there's a chef that was in the old days. He's down there and he's bringing along with him all his baked goods, I believe. Oh my gosh. If you think about it. I want, like you I go, want to smell it. Yeah, you go down in the caves <laughs> and then you smell like chocolate chip cookies. What? And then the other, little, <laughs> the other little uh, haunting down there is a cute little gray kitty cat with glowing green eyes, but um, they don't know where he came from. So 
I'll talk a little. Maybe it's just that. a real cat. Maybe it's not a ghost. Maybe <laughs> glowing green Looking eyes. Looking for a, a chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, our my beloved. I don't want to say your beloved either, but Ghost Adventures, uh, Zach Bagans. They went there and they did their whole investigation. This was in season two. Oh my god! Way back in the day, where uh, Roth was still a part of the group. And this girl named Kelly's giving them the tour and they're down in the caves. And she said there was a cave-in and one of the workers was killed in this cave-in. And he's like, oh yeah, that, you know, he's trapped here. His spirit's trapped here. It was a surprise. I did so much research on trying to find a story about this cave-in. I couldn't find anything. So I don't know if that's a true story or not. I don't know if she told that just for the show. But the only hauntings that they say are down in the cave system is the chef and the cat. There's right. no worker that was killed or whatever. Okay. The land itself was um, originally Ute and Arapaho tribe land. Red flag to begin with, because you know there has to be some type of Indian burial ground somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Mm-hmm. And then Freeland bought the land from an Irish earl named Lord Gun Raven. Mm-hmm. He had discovered the land in 1872 on a hunting trip. He built a home, a hunting lodge, a hotel on this land. And then later down the line, he actually illegally homesteaded 6,000 more acres down the way. And he ended up getting run out. He didn't, nothing happened to him. They just ran him out because then he was also swindling people out of their land and and out of their money it was shady it was shady so now you have indian barrel ground land that was probably stolen away and then now this dude who's run out he's probably pissed because he had all this land that he wanted so okay we're just gathering here we're just gathering all the crazy stuff that could be happening at this place the Stanley has been said to be Disneyland to ghosts, and it is because there's so much to go over here. There were reports of ghosts from everywhere in the hotel. No matter where you go, something's going mm-hmm. on. But here's some of the most haunted areas. Number one is the Vortex. The Vortex is on the beautiful grand staircase right there in the main building. They say it's a paranormal portal. It's a natural tornado of energy, and it's called the rapid transit systems for the spirits to come and go out of our realm. Amazing. Uh, people get dizzy on the stairs. People feel cold spots. Sometimes they feel like someone has walked through their body. Orbs and distortions are always caught on camera. There's a really famous picture that recently was taken. You can find everywhere where this gentleman took a picture of a staircase. He went home, he was looking through the pictures, and there is a friggin' woman standing at the top of the staircase, like an old Uh Victorian-style outfit. It's so wild. Also, this is so sweet, you guys. The Stanleys, they've been seen there hand-in-hand, just kind of like watching the hustle and the bustle of the hotel after Uh they've been long gone, which I think is so sweet. Uh, There's the concert hall. Flora was a pianist, and... She's heard playing the piano all times of the day, all times of the night. You go in and you check it out and the music immediately stops. People hear parties, get dinner guests. You walk in there, it's silent. There's nothing going on. There is a man named Paul 
he I think he was more of like a handyman janitor. He worked there and he died on the job from a heart attack. But they said that he's still enforcing the 11 p.m. curfew. So if you're in there by any chance and it's after 11, he says, get out to you. Yeah. Or he'll nudge yeah. you or push you. There was a guy that was in he's there. He's a who- hall monitor. Yeah, he's still sure. trying to enforce the rule of like a lane. Like they say that you can hear him and you can touch him. It's or wild. he can touch you. Yeah. Yeah. He, there was a guy in there. He's changing light bulbs like late at night. And he kept on having his shirt pulled. And finally he says, all right, I get it. I'm out. I'm going. And then when there's investigations going on, there's a a thing that you can do with with flashlights where you say can you turn the flashlight on can you turn the flashlight off and he really likes to do that to communicate Hmm. um it's a really cool experiment then there's a girl named lucy that also haunts the concert hall this is really sad they don't know Hmm. if she was a runaway or if she was homeless but she would seek refuge in either the concert hall or in the basement i guess she was there for a while she finally got caught the staff allegedly kicked her out and okay. she froze to death outside so Isn't now she, awful? i know so, oh. she's breaking. so she's seen now uh in pictures people take pictures and they will see her either in the basement or in the concert hall which is so and sad i like lucy is not wearing a white dress she wears a pink, pink dress i love she it wears- a pink dress and there's a photo of her but she looks like a little girl in the photo mm-hmm. and it makes me sad that she froze to death i did not like that i didn't I like know. that story all right the ice house so like we said before refrigeration they had an ice house so two spirits haunt the ice house one is by the name of billy he's a shy brown-haired boy and then there's another spirit. He's an older gentleman with white hair and a big bushy beard. That's all I got on that. I don't know anything else about that. Did you guys find anything about not on the ice house? Okay, I was really taken aback. There's a lot of these stories. I'm sure that you'll you'll talk about a lot of them. If you chop, are on the fourth floor. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Oh yeah, we'll go we'll go there. But you guys. They had a pet cemetery on the grounds. Isn't that wild? I Did wonder. You... Okay. If Steven. Yes. I yes. Know. So this inspired his novel Pet Cemetery, which is crazy. So the Stanleys had two beloved animals. One was a golden retriever named Cassie, and she will yeah. paw at doors, like trying to get into the hotel. And then Comanche who was a fluffy white kitty cat, and he's seen all over the hotel as, as well, which is so Amazing. fun. I wrote, fun fact, cemetery, uh, Pet Cemetery was inspired by this Pet Cemetery at the Stanley. Okay, Crazy. so then there's the carriage house, because back in the day, before all the Stanley steamers came around, you came in horse and buggy, you see so much going on in the carriage house, but Back in the 1970s, they turned it into a motel. So you had the Stanley, which was this beautiful grand hotel. And then off to the side, you had this like crappy carriage house that they turned into these like little one-roomed motel. And Ghost Adventures, they were let in there, which they never let anybody in the carriage house. And they did a little investigation in there. 
they saw lights, orbs, and then you guys, they had, they store the mattresses in there of people that passed away in the hotel. So I, every hotel will either have their suicide or just the random people that die in their sleep from heart attacks, strokes, whatever it may be. And they store the random mattresses. No, I'm glad, I'm glad they're taking they them. I know. I'm glad that they're taking the mattresses out, but that's where they are. So you know, there's all this festering uh, energy yeah, that's going on in there. I just why throw it away. Yeah, I throw know. it away. Yeah. Do better. Yeah. <sighs> you gotta figure they're up in the mountains. I and mean, obviously they could probably burn it, but I'm sure it's kind of hard to get someone up there to haul stuff down. I don't know. I'm. You know what? Play. I'll I'll go there right now. I'll light a match. It okay. takes two seconds. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Right. All the rooms. They say you can experience anything in all the rooms, but I'm going to go through the specific rooms that have major, major paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. I have two stories for room 217. This is the okay. first one. In 1911, there was a horrible storm and all the power went out. Elizabeth Wilson, who was a chambermaid, she was going from room to room. She was lighting all the old lanterns that they had. Well, unfortunately, there was a gas leak. It was before they scented the gas with that awful sulfur smell. She mm -hmm. did not smell it. She lit a lantern, and there was a huge explosion. It was so bad, it blew out the bottom of the floor down to the dining room that was below this room. She fell. She survived. She only broke her ankles, which was amazing. She fully recovered and she came back to work until she like retired and she ended up dying at age 90 at her home in Estes Park, which is totally wild. But she never left. She's still there. She's seen hovering around the hotel in certain places. She's seen walking through closed doors. She will unpack your bags, y'all, and put them in drawers and hang them in the closets. Now. She's still working in her desk. That's my nightmare. <laughs> Why don't you just you know what? Away, honey? She was old school. And if you were not married, you shouldn't be staying in that room and sleeping in the same bed. So unmarried couples that stay in this room sometimes feel this invisible force come <sighs> in between them trying to separate them, which is, oh. ah, I got total chills doing That's that. That's creepy. And then for some reason, she did not like single men. Those bachelors, they were like, no good. So bachelors will wake up in the middle of the night. They will find their bags packed and sitting at the door waiting to go. He, she's like, you oh got my. to go. You got to go. So one funny quote that I found was from an investigator. His name is Richard Estep. He says, Mrs. Wilson does what she wants to do and to who she wants to do it to, which I think was so funny. Like what Red said, the fourth floor. The fourth floor has yeah. to be like the most crazy. There's a time. Now, before it became a floor with rooms, it was just this huge attic. It was just a wide open space attic where the female employees stayed and it was basically catered for all the nannies and the children to go to. Even though there's not any record of a child dying on premises, you hear children up and down the hallways of the fourth floor 
running, screaming, giggling, laughing, playing ball, like just wild shit going up and down the floor. So now we're going to go to room 407. In this room, people get tucked in. A yeah, ghost yeah. Tuck That's terrifying. In. First of all, what? being tucked in is uh, like very I don't like restrictive. That. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, don't tuck me in. And now a ghost is going to do it. Well, I'm they tuck the you. sheet like under the, the mattress. No, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine like, you're laying there and all of a sudden the blankets are going underneath you? Like, no, like a burrito? Yeah, no, 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 no. Like no. a burrito, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. Oh my god! One leg in, that. one leg out, baby. Oh, I gotta yeah. do That's it. right. I gotta That's right. It's like... called balance. It's called yeah. balance. So right oh near room four hundred seven, there's an elevator that's not working. But people that stay in that room have said that they hear it working throughout the night. You can hear it going up and down. That's and crazy. Down. Loud footsteps are heard coming up the hallway, and then they'll stop right at the door. And then next thing you know, it feels like someone's sitting on the edge of the bed. And if you look, you can actually see an indention in the bed. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. <laughs> Remember uh-huh. Lord Dunraven? Well, he likes yeah. to stay in room 401. He likes to stay in the closet, which is pretty funny, right? He opens and closes the closet, moves the hangers around sometimes. And then they had the historical society. They had this inspector come and he was there and this girl was showing him around and she opened the closet and he screamed like a little girl and ran out. And she's like, what, 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 what? He's like, there was a man in the closet. And then he refused to stay there. He left, he was done. So that was probably Lord Dunraven. I had a, a question about Lord Dunraven. I thought that maybe you could answer. So he was the original owner, kind of, of the land, right? Before the hotel was there. But they say that he stays at the hotel, even though he had never visited the hotel. So then he's right. linked to the land. Is I think he's linked what? to the land. I think what happened was because he had built, this, he kind of wanted the same thing. He had, not in that land, but he had built like a home and a hotel himself. And then he got chased away because he was a swindler. So I think he right. kind of pissed that the Stanleys had the success and he didn't. So I think that's okay. probably why he's there. And could there be a connection with him being there too because of the caves, like you said, the quartz, the limestone? Oh yeah, for sure. All of that. For sure, okay. that's just like a big magnet of just energy. Okay, so room 412. Uh, a lady stayed in this room by herself. And this is a story that I got from Ghost Adventures, so I'm not exactly sure how true this one is. But she was staying in the room by herself. Supposedly, the bed started shaking and levitated. It made her go over the edge. She had a total mental breakdown. No one could calm her down. They actually yeah, had to call I the cops. Girl. The mm-hmm. cops came. Call the cops. And, yeah, the cops came. Call the cops. <laughs> yeah, took her away. So I don't know if she was having some type of mental breakdown or or something that really happened, but that was- Or the bed levitated and it totally fucked her up. Oh my God. That would fuck me up, right? (laughs) Uh, That's awful. There's so many. Did you do uh, room 428? 
I do. I have two before that, 413 and 418. Okay. So 413, okay. a man in an old-fashioned suit has been seen uh -huh. sitting in the corner. And then you'll hear something at your door, kind of like a commotion or maybe a knock. You'll go, and if you look through the people, people have seen a blue orb floating outside the door, and you can kind of see a man's face in the orb. Yes. That's freaky. That's yes. freaky. And then in 418, children are heard running through the, the room. They move objects. They pull off your covers. And a little uh, four-year-old girl was staying in that room one night. She told her mom that a boy came into the room and started tickling her. And she didn't like it. And she told him to leave and he left. My God. Ah, well, kids can see everything because they're so innocent. That is mm. so crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so 428, 428 is wild, y'all. There's a cowboy, a transparent cowboy that's seen. He's either walking yeah. around the bed, he's either standing in the corner, he's sitting in the corner, and he loves women, and he yes. loves to give them little kisses, night-night on their yes, heads. He <laughs> yeah, on the forehead. Oh, so, my I'm not okay with that. God. They're like, he's so nice, he's a oh. nice guy. Could you imagine? On the forehead. You're crossing the line, cowboy. You're yeah, get the, the ghost close enough to you to kiss you on the head. What are you doing? Uh, like, are you like frozen in fear where you can't move? That's no, 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 no. I would be frozen in fear. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what happened to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello. Terrifying. So, just Life close changing. my eyes and pretend you're not there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm somewhere else. I'm not here. The, the fourth floor is super, super haunted. So it sounds like there's uh, just a ton of rooms, right, mm -hmm. with all sorts of things. I think if I stayed there, you know, someday, right, uh -huh. um, I, where is the one that I really like? I guess I would like to stay in the one where there's, I guess, a male presence, but he doesn't really, like, fuck with you. Like, he doesn't okay. take you in or kiss you, but where you can look and maybe see his face like through the lock because that means he's, he's not in the room yeah the orb um, yeah the orb <laughs> yeah yeah we'll do but that. if i had to choose a ghost but he's just like an old timey dude in like an old suit and he just kind of sits in the corner and watches yeah. that's all he does he doesn't yeah. kiss you tuck you in tickle you right yeah he's just there and so that's the one i would want to stay in right <laughs> you guys right, want to so hear a fun fact Sure. Yes. It's it's real quick. So when Jim Carrey was staying there when mm -hmm. he was filming Dumb and Dumber, mm -hmm. uh -huh. he got so scared that he left in the middle of the night and he never <gasps> came back. Really? And he was like in his <laughs> undies and he just said, fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah. No, yeah. I've never heard that story. It's so oh, crazy. I'm going to Google it. Yeah. Right, so Freeland, we're going to go back to Freeland. He's seen in the old billiards room. The tables aren't there anymore, so there's no pool being played. But you can walk by and hear the balls being, you know, breaking. Mm -hmm. A scent of roses will come around you right before you see Flora, which is his wife. And I guess she was a really stickler about having good posture. So if you're standing there and you don't have it, she's either going to pinch you or she'll run her cold, ghostly finger down your back 
basically to say, stand up straight, stand up straight. Okay, so I'm her nightmare because <laughs> I have the worst posture. Like it's a family thing. If you see right now, like this is how I sit. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, see, see how much better that looks when I sit? Yeah. No, she would hate me. I have right. terrible you're, posture. You're going to get it Awful. when we go visit. And well, then- yeah, Freeland is seen behind the reception desk when people are checking in, so that's fun. Now, a uh, chambermaid told some people that the ghosts are afraid of vacuums. So whenever the house cleaning people are using the vacuums, numerous times they're either, they just shut off or they'll shut off and they'll look and the cord has been pulled out of the socket ah. where there's a lot of, for leeway where it's not like you accidentally pull it out I do that all the time when I vacuum um yeah so I think we all do we're like just another <laughs> inch just go a little further yeah and then you have to plug it in mm -hmm. <laughs> now we're gonna go back to room 217 this is the main reason why this room is famous in the fall of 1974 Stephen King and his wife Tabitha stopped by they were closing down for the winter so they were allowed to stay the night. They were basically the only people staying the night there. There was a very small skeleton crew and they went and had dinner in this big, huge dining room. And then she, after dinner, she decided that she was gonna go back to the room. Stephen King said he wanted to just kind of explore a little bit. So he was walking all the empty halls, just taking in all, you know, all the scenery. He went, this is, this is trippy y'all. Okay, The Shining is like my favorite movie of all times. I didn't know this part, but he went to the hotel bar and there was a bartender working at that time. The bartender's name was Grady. OMG. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is wild. Yes. Yes. So then he went back to the room and he had this fucking scary nightmare where his three-year-old son was just running through the hallways in this panic. He would look over, over his shoulder. His eyes got super wide. And he was being chased by a fire hose. Hey. Now, he, he had this crazy nightmare. And let me say, this happened in 1974. Right. That mm -hmm. they stated. What year did the movie and the book come out? Do you guys know? Yeah. Well, the book came out in 1977. Mm -hmm. The movie okay. came okay. out in 1980. Okay. So this is my thing. I've said this all along. I've. I read the novel. I've seen the movie a million times, but I also read the novel. Kubrick's rendition of The Shining does not follow the book right. at all. And mm -hmm. Stephen King was pissed. He did not like this. He was just like, this is not my book. This is, this is not my story. But we can go into a whole side note about There's that. There's a lot. <laughs> and I actually rented the movie Room 237, which is all about the conspiracy theory of what Stanley Kubrick's uh, whole, what his whole reasoning was behind making What's the shiny. beef, man? Yes. Okay. So after this dream, this crazy dream that he has, he wakes up in like a total shock. He's drenched in sweat. He gets up. He goes to the balcony. He starts smoking, smoking a cigarette. And by time, by the time that cigarette's done, he has the whole story of The Shining done. In his mm -hmm. brain, he's like, this is what's going to happen. 
1980, the movie comes out. And of course, it's this huge success. His book is the third novel that he wrote and the first bestseller that he had. So that's, I think that's awesome. Now, in 1996, there was a miniseries that came out. Stephen King talked Warner Brothers into doing this his way. He wanted mm-hmm. to do it his way. And I it haven't was seen a, it. Oh my God, I've seen it like three times already. It's a three-night uh, three miniseries, two hours a piece, so it's six hours. Everything that the book is, is this miniseries. It's so good. I loved mm. it. It was perfect. Now, fun fact, The Shining was not filmed at the Stanley. That is only how Stephen King had the inspiration for it. It was filmed in two different places. It was filmed at the Ice-T Studios in England and at the Timberline Lodge in Fort Hood, Hood, Oregon. But when King did the miniseries, they used the hotel 100% for the filming, they even used the interiors for the interior. They did not use a studio. So I, I, yeah, I really love that. So by the time Stephen King and his wife came to the hotel, it was kind of getting run down. People weren't coming. There was probably a possibility of it closing down. But because he wrote this book and because he used them as his muse, tourism boomed and it has not stopped. Stanley is just amazing it's it's the thing it's the thing y'all Stephen King needs to write a book about our podcast you guys (laughs) (laughs) well boom it'll be incredible every October at the Stanley they have something called the twin terror weekends which I think is so much fun the first weekend they have a big huge murder mystery dinner and then on the second week uh second weekend they have the Shining Ball, and then on Halloween they have a masquerade party, which is so That's much so fun. Cool. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so much fun at the Stanley Hotel. So here's a that. fun. Here's a couple of fun okay. facts. Um, one was the Dumb and Dumber that that Dre brought up. The hotel has a resident psychic. Her name is Madame Vera. She's still oh. there today, so you can go and have readings and whatever. Um, in 2015, the Stanley used to have this huge, long driveway. It was, you know, very fancy. And the reason why Stanley had it built like that was because he wanted all his guests just to line up his Stanley steamer engine cars up and down this, this long, huge driveway. Well, obviously, they, they weren't using it at that point. So they built a hedge maze true to the one in the the Overlook Hotel from The Shining, which I love. But there's no ghosts associated with it, but people do panic and they they can't breathe when they're going through the maze. I'm sure that's just anxiety or having panic attacks. Yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) absolutely, 100%. And then to end it, I have a quote that Stephen King uses in his book. And it says, any big hotels have got scandals. Just like every big hotel has a ghost. Why? Hell, people come and go. Sometimes one of them will pop off in his room, heart attack or stroke or something like that. Hotels are superstitious places. So that's his little insert in um, 
The Shining, the actual novel. Well, that's for mm-hmm. sure true about the Cecil Hotel. Yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah, so there for sure, you go. for sure. Yay! The Super haunted. I've been this yeah. close to the Stanley so many times, y'all, and I haven't been. I can't. I can't my cousin, it. one of my cousins, went there, and she sent me one of the old little keychains that has room. 217 on it I think it, oh it says oh my gosh but, um, oh I, I so want to go one day one day I'll visit family and then I'll be like it's 90 minutes from Denver so if you ever fly into Denver it's basically like an hour and a half drive from Denver Yeah. Well, I mm. would you get a reading from the psychic while you're uh, there I don't know in the maze in the winter in room 217 no? okay <laughs> <laughs> oh you guys if you do go to the stanley hotel website there's this little video that you can watch i don't know what this is or how to use it but it looks like a theater that has a glass win- huge glass window looking out over like a mountain and it moves up like a big huge garage door and then there's this lake with like a waterfall. I don't know what that is or how they use that, but it's wild. Oh, you that's have to a check trip, it out. dude. You have to check it out. They have condos for big groups that want to stay the weekends. Oh, cool. They have actual residencies where you can stay for six months to a year. Then they have the big oh. building with the historic haunted rooms. And then they have oh, a okay. little another building that they built. They built which is more modern. It has air conditioning and all that because the big room, the big house doesn't have any air conditioning. You just get mountain uh, air. It's original. Okay. It's all original. Yeah, that's yeah. really crazy. Mm-hmm. I did see yeah. that right now. I'm, you know, I have my computer open. So I did see that thing where like the the window opens up and then it's like theater seating <laughs> and it, it opens into like a nice like little- Like SeaWorld, like you're going to watch like a Shamu yeah. show or something. Yeah. What? But it's really yeah. small, like close up front. It's kind of wild. I don't know what they use. Very that for. creative. Yeah. It's I don't crazy. know. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I don't you know. know yeah. Sacrifices, something. It, it's Maybe come a it's long way like, from the shining days, y'all. <laughs> yeah, for real. Maybe it's just like a place for them to like have meetings. And since there's no air conditioning, like um, at least yeah. you get the cool breeze over the water. Yeah. A wedding venue. That would be cool. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Yeah. So many possibilities. So yeah. many possibilities that the family has. Good job. Yay. Yay. That was so good. Spooky as fuck. Good job. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you guys ready for badass? I found a badass who is such a badass. Anyway, I've never seen a badass person have karma come back around and have another badass help that person. Ooh. This is like the first one. So it. it's, it's amazing. Karma. I'm loving, loving, loving it. So it's a double badass situation. Graham Nesbitt managed a skating arena in Seaforth, Ontario. He really did believe that the kids needed to like play and practice and do the best they could, you know, whether it be hockey or ice skating or whatever they did. So he opened early and he stayed late. He wanted to give the kids as many hours as possible for them to practice whatever they wanted or play, you know, to get out and do their thing. So that was what he did. He managed that skating arena and he was out there. Um, He had a couple kids by the name of Ryan and Cal. 
that went on later in life to play in the NHL. If it wasn't for him, like, yeah, super badass, right? So if it wasn't for him being there for the kids, watching them, making sure they were okay, always like being that, you know, that grown up that was around and, and pushing them to be better, who knows, right? Who knows? They went on to do really great things in the NHL um, in both of their careers. And so he retired in 2003. And many years later, in 2019, um, the community there found out that he needed a kidney transplant, Hmm. right? Or he was going to die. He was like 65. He was going to die. He was going to die if he didn't get this kidney transplant. So all the local people in town, they signed up to find out if they were matches, (gasps) right? Everybody. So lo and behold, who is the match? (gasps) Ryan and Kel's mom, Bonnie Uh, O'Reilly. Oh, it is badass. (laughs) It is such a great story. She says she couldn't imagine not doing it because he was such a great person and so inspiring to her boys. They would have never had that life had it not been for him tirelessly staying Mm. open late and getting up early for them so there was no question she gave a whole freaking kidney to this man that's crazy so beautiful i I got that chill i got the chill so let's just go over this one more time (laughs) he he works his ass off he stays open for these boys to do well they do well he later Mm -hmm. on needs help and the person that can help him turns out to be their mom Yes, yep. right? Yeah. Oh my yes. gosh. It's That's crazy. Wild. It's so crazy. And that she was willing to do it, you know. Oh, it's my. just it's so so crazy. And it wasn't like he wasn't still working. This is 16 years later. He retired in 2003. Yeah. And 16 um, years later in 2019, he needed this kidney. And she was like, "Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do anything for you." It's just oh, amazing. Doesn't that just scream uh the impact the kind of person he is yeah right mm-hmm. I want to yeah. be like that where 20 years down the road I was like oh yeah I'll still help her because she did it yeah. you know what I mean that's yeah. crazy that's it crazy. crazy for sure yeah. I love that I got chills I know I'm like yeah. oh there's like a badass that that got the karma of a badass all together it was so cool <laughs> the beautiful circle of badassery um <laughs> that's <laughs> that was really good oh my gosh okay uh you guys always reach out to us we love hearing from you we are on instagram facebook uh tiktok twitter youtube you can check out our website handcuffsandstagepodcast.com email us handcuffsandstage at gmail.com uh you can always be a badass and take two seconds and leave us a beautiful review on itunes we love that um, it just helps us out and supports your favorite gals. Can you guys think of anything else? Oh, we have our Patreon page. Hello. Mm, Who's our Patreon page? Hello. Uh, there's three different levels, you know, different ways uh, you can support us. And you get kick-ass swag. So it's like a win-win for everybody, right? Um, so check out our Patreon page. Uh this was fun. Peter Nygaard, he's a total mixed fuck face. We learned about the family hotel. We got a badassery circle of karma going around. So this was really great. Can you guys think of anything else? No. No. Oh my goodness. All right, you guys, here we go. And remember, 
We, we do what we want. So does Mrs. Wilson. <laughs> she did what she wanted. Yeah, yeah she is now. <laughs> uh, All right. Bye. 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 See ya. Bye. 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 Handcuffs and Sage is hosted by Red, Timo, and Dre in a shitty guest room in Los Angeles. Theme music is Leave Now by We Are Wasted. Cover art done by Megan Winchester. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Show some love on iTunes. Be a badass and do what you want. Until next time.